0: Are you done with being that pregnant or postpartum mom in the gym who is always stuck on the sidelines feeling horrible? Saying, how come no one ever told me this? Are you ready to finally say no to a mom life filled with excess weight, injury, overwhelm and fatigue? then health is here. Welcome to the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast, where we dive deep into the information you need to be the strongest woman in and out of the gym, even if you are a mom. If you are done going through your pregnancy or postpartum fitness journey clueless and unprepared, if you are ready to commit and say yes to being that badass fit mom who is shredded and stronger than before the baby, well, listen up because this is where we talk about all of the things your doctor or trainer never told you about so that you can achieve the body you want and take your athletic strength and performance to the next level. Get ready, because here's your host, Daisy Bravo. Well, hello, 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 and I want to welcome you to
1: another episode of the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. This is just a quick intro to let you know that today's episode is going to be all about our mom feature of the month. I'm going to get out of the way and let our mom of the month take the floor and share with you her story. I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you are also interested in being a featured mom of the month, email me at daisy at strongmomsfitness.com. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Hi, my name is Michelle bay and I'm talking about my mom's story. Um, My mom started, started even from a young age. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, I was expected to have two kids. Um, My vision was always two girls, um, probably partially because my sister and I are super close and I think um, raising two girls sounded like so much fun. Um, My husband and I actually started um, trying before we got married, so in about May of 2016, and that came as a result of both of our moms independently saying, you know, if you were a couple months pregnant at your wedding, it wouldn't be a big deal. Um, So we decided that that was a good sign that we could start trying a little bit earlier. Um, I was um, 34 at the time and my husband was 39 and so we didn't feel like we had a ton of time to waste. Um, So we went ahead and um, started trying. Uh, we did not get pregnant. Uh, we thought we both thought it would happen fairly easily and we did not. And in, um, November we ended up going, um, having tried for six months and given our ages, uh, we went through, um, fertility testing and then infertility, um, diagnosis that was unknown cause. And we tried through three, Um, IUIs, those are intrauterine inseminations. And um, though none of those worked at the time, I was very uh, reluctant to do IVF, um, having been raised Catholic and having um, thought that that was sort of my journey is I couldn't do it that way. Um, After doing three IUIs and being on drugs that made me feel completely unlike myself, I finally decided that let's go with what gives better odds and so we went to ivf so we did our our first ivf transfer in april of 2017 and i got pregnant and we were thrilled and we thought that this was just the solution um that maybe there's just something that wasn't lining up and this was great and then um a couple weeks later i was at work and went to the bathroom and noticed i was bleeding and so i called um, our fertility doctor at the time spoke with his nurse who explained to me that i was at a point of pregnancy that that's not un- abnormal um but she said you know if you can why don't you come in today and we'll just check um and so we did and by the time uh we had our appointment and my husband came and picked me up from work and we went out there um by the time we had gotten out on the way there, my bleeding had increased, and so I basically cried the whole way because I knew what was coming. Um, we did an ultrasound with our doctor, and um, probably one of the longest points of my life, where um, there was just a lot of waiting and a lot of silence. Uh, and then they, the doctor, told us that we had miscarried; that you could see the gestational sac, but no baby. Um, he said that he thought we would na- I would naturally pass, um, but they would do blood work before we left and then um, repeat blood work a few days later so that um, they could make sure that I was passing naturally and I didn't need a DNC. Um, we went to get blood work. It was a Friday before Mother's Day, a terrible time to feel like you're dreams of being a mom or just being yanked away from you and went on with our day, um, we really spent a lot of time crying and just, um, just being with each other and, um, trying to process that we had lost. Um, and then, uh, that was Friday, Tuesday I had to return for, for their blood work. And on Tuesday, I got a call that my numbers had actually significantly risen. And so they said to come in on Wednesday for an ultrasound um, and they would see. And really, it was at that point where they thought I might have to do a DNC. I came in on on Wednesday. We went to an ultrasound. Um, In the course of the ultrasound, they actually found a heartbeat. And said, okay, well, you we made a mistake. Um, baby's just measuring a little bit behind. Uh, go back to doing everything you we were doing. Um, you are pregnant. And that was a really crazy time. Um, my husband, who's usually a pretty cautious driver, almost got us into a car accident, um, trying as we were leaving, just because I think we were both utter, utterly shocked and surprised and confused and uncertain and all of that um somehow we both managed to make it through the day at work i was meeting my sister um at her job um that evening and i took a lift over and as soon as i got out of the lift um i took a couple steps and i felt like a gush of blood um i went and i was definitely um i I made it to a bathroom and i was definitely after i had to clean up after i like kind of paused enough to um to leave the the bathroom um it looked like a murder scene and or what i imagined emergency scene to look like and i cleaned everything off um we did go to the emergency room and there they finally told us that i had fully passed um both lost baby as well as um the gestational sac. that there was nothing that they could see um and that second one i think really hit us harder um i think we were already a little beaten down. And then we had to kind of deal with this new information that um, we didn't expect. And so uh, it was difficult. I wanted to get right back to it. And so we did um, as quickly as we could. We decided to test the remaining embryos we had. Um, We had not genetically tested prior to that. We decided to do that. Um, And we went forward and did a second IVF. Um, That one did not take, uh, which is really shocking. Um, And it was about this time that I had decided I didn't like how our doctor was handling the situation. Um, And so I wanted to look for another doctor. We ended up switching doctors. Um, And uh, she was great and she's a wonderful part of our lives still. Um, And she so on my third round of IVF I got pregnant and we um and stayed pregnant I made it through a first a first trimester I got to tell people at work I did everything um and we were just really excited and uh really joyful um when I was 21 weeks pregnant um I had actually ordered delivery one night I was home my my husband was um I don't know, Um, I had a meeting and when when the food got delivered, our dog ran out and running after him, I fell. Um, And then I got right back up and I caught him finally and then um, brought him back in. And I was pretty hysterical about falling, thinking I had done stuff. Um, I called my husband who left and basically spent most of his drive home trying to calm me down because I was essentially hyperventilating. And he then said, why don't you call whoever is the OB on call and just let them know and see what we should do. Um, and so I did that, um, I paid the, and she called me back and she said that, um, that I should, you know, check for, um, bleeding. Or cramping. If I wasn't having those things within the next couple of hours, that it was probably fine. Um, I did not remember if I fell on my stomach or not. Uh, and when I described sort of my scrapes and bruises to her where they were at, she said, you probably didn't. Um, so you should probably be okay. Um, I still was really paranoid and really scared. And so um, I got onto uh, my patient portal and I booked um, an appointment with my OB for the following evening, um, her first available, and really was determined to go to that. Um, you know, my husband sort of asked a little bit um, if I should go because it sounded like everything was okay. Um, the nurses, since I was the last appointment of the day, um, tried to just, tried to tell me I didn't need to come in, um, and I really insisted upon it. And I think there was some intuition, some motherly instinct that told me to go. And there, my blood pressure was really high. That was actually the the first day I felt like I, you know, felt good, had energy in my in my entire pregnancy, and um, my blood pressure was reading 188 over 110. Uh, I was told to go to labor and delivery for some monitoring. Um, They admitted me, and then um, after they admitted me, uh, my husband went to go. Um, do some things and get some things at the house, um, all of that, and came back. And during the time he was gone, my obese partner who was on call came in and asked me if I really understood what's going on. And I told her no. And she said, um, you have severe preeclampsia and you will be here until you deliver. So that was the evening of May 8th. I wasn't due until September 7th. And kind of my whole world just got shook right like what are we gonna do this was not in the plans um all of it and i i had like a million questions and a million what am i gonna do um and then you know the next day was probably one of the scariest days of my life um doctors were coming in giving us numbers um telling us uh you know chances of survival um which was crazy and just completely um, surreal. And um, basically my full-time job became just to stay in the hospital and to cook the baby as long as possible. Um, Ultimately I was in the hospital a little over three weeks um, before a repeat ultrasound found that um, our daughter Colette um, had not she had already been measuring a little bit behind when, we, when we were first, when I was first admitted, um, doctors hoped that I, once they regulated my blood pressure, um, and could monitor me that there would be some catch up. Um, and actually at a repeat ultrasound, they found that, um, not only had there not been catch up, but there had been no growth, um, from the time I was admitted and not original, um, uh, ultrasound until that point. And so the doctors recommended delivery. Um, thinking that they had more interventions they could do on the outside rather than on the inside. And so uh, we delivered at 24 weeks and five days. Um, she seemed to be a real fighter. Uh, they had prepared us that we wouldn't hear her when she came out because she was so little. Um, and after they said, it's a girl and everything, they took her, um, it got really quiet again in, in the operating room. Um, emergency C-section and she seemed really, you know, kind of great. And then she made the sound and I said, is that her? And she they said yes. And then remarked that that's not something she should be able to do. Um, And so she really was defying a lot of odds. Um, They told us one of the concerns that they had was if she was too small to get the smallest intubation, um, they wouldn't be able to do um, anything more. Um, she actually fit into the second to smallest, so it was it was all of those. And um, she had ups and downs, and she's just doing okay. Um, I was released a couple of days later, um, and I, when I was released, I could not eat anything. Everything I ate, um, I threw up, um, and almost felt like I was back in first trimester pregnancy. Um, but this time was like, way worse. And um, finally, I went because I had to keep going for blood pressure checks after um, I was admitted and I went and I had an appointment with my OB. And she said, How are you doing? And I broke down crying and said I couldn't do this anymore. Um, because I couldn't eat. And I was tired of throwing up. And so she really sat with me and we found out that I was in a very mild, less than 1% risk of a side effect to one of my blood pressure medications I was released on, um, that it causes basically a severe lactose um, intolerance issue uh, with everything. It's this, this the closest thing I can explain is the lactose intolerance. So. My meds had to be switched. Once they were switched um, and slowly weaned off, um, I started to feel a lot better and that was um, super helpful and I'm glad I did that. Um, and then the NICU is its up and down and backwards and forwards and sliding and that's what we were dealing with. Um, so we had a few scares but she always pulled through it. Um, and my husband and I settled into a bit of a routine uh, so he would get up and go to work early. And he would call the nurses on the way in to work um, and ask for an update and they would give him an update. And when he could, he would call her, text me with um, any new information, um, if she had been okay through the night, how everything was. And so that's where we, we went with. And then I would slowly get ready and then I would um, go to the hospital myself And then um, I would be there most of the day. And once my husband came, um, we would spend a little time together with Colette. Um, Sometimes I would then excuse myself and take a break and sit outside or something. And then um, we would usually go home together. Um, On her, when um, Colette was nine days old, uh, the morning we did, The similar thing was the plan, Um, except that this time when my husband called, um, they said, hold on. And then they put the doctor on and um, the doctor had explained that they had had to um, essentially jumpstart her heart again overnight. Um, And we knew something was wrong when the doctor was taking the time to do this. So he called me and I got dressed very quickly and um, went over to um the hospital and the doctor found a private room and went through and told me what was going on and essentially uh lungs were really failing her um typically what they do is in nicu is they are putting um preemies onto a um or i should really say really tiny preemies like uh, clad who was just over a pound when she was born um, By putting them into um, a certain respirator um, that breathes for them. It is tough on the lungs. It will do scarring on the lungs um, after a certain time. So they will try to move um over then after they've been on it, usually about a day or two, um, up to about three, they will try to move them over to another um, ventilator. And Clot was not taking to that other ventilator. They had tried multiple times. And she wouldn't do it so they were on this ventilator and we were finally seeing the scarring of the lungs to a point where there was concern that she wouldn't um that her lungs were going to fail and that's what he told us and he you know he told everything and he said you know um i think you should call your husband i think this is something you should all be around for um and uh he went to, you know, he told me I could stay in the room we were in for as long as I wanted. Um, and as he was almost at the door, he turned back around and he said, do you believe in baptism? And I did. And she, he said that I think that this is the time that we should be baptizing her. Um, and that really drove home just how serious they were, everything was going. Um, and so I called my husband uh, and, you know, really just kind of set that to be the case um i was in denial you know i thought she'll pull through this is just um a doctor being a warrior war and that's all it is um and really believe that and um wish i had been wrong on that um and what we've slowly saw her was we saw her declining um i knew things were serious when um they allowed us in Uh, by that point in the day, um, as the time went on, um, it was, uh, shift changes and during shift changes, Mm -hmm. parents weren't allowed in, nobody was allowed in. And, um, we were allowed in and we were at Clad's bedside, um, and they were very strict about two people at a time. Um, at some point, my sister came in and, um, stood with me and, um, was there, and so I, I don't remember when that happened, but again, I knew things that were they were bending the rules for us, I knew that was serious. Um, we saw Clet's numbers start to drop. Um, just as the doctor was turning to us to, I assume, um, say something about that we need to make decisions, um, I said in my head, I may have said it out loud, I don't know, um, but I just said, Clet, please don't make me make this decision um and then almost in immediate response her numbers severely started dropping um which i always like to think is a one gift she could have given to me um and so they kept her alive and we baptized her and then um all of our family um so our parents um both of our sisters and their husbands um joined us in a room and we got to hold her as um, she died in our arms, um, and everyone got a chance to hold her, and we had time together to um, to cry and to hug each other and everything else. Um, and so she passed um, May thirty first of twenty eighteen at nine days old. And you know, losing a child is one of the most is not only one of the most horrible experiences; it's also one of the most isolating. Um, You feel like nobody else in the world understands what it is. And um, in a lot of ways, nobody can unless they've experienced it themselves. Um, And so uh, we went along. Um, I started my job. um, I I decided um, to start what I had thought of in the hospital, which was to um, do something to help families that were in situations like we found ourselves in. Um, but didn't have financial resources to support that. Um, and that we started that. So that's the Cl- Louise Tisdall Foundation. And that is still running. We provide financial assistance to families in sort of those three um, areas of Kletz life. So a high-risk pregnancy or pregnancy develops complications, NICU stays, and loss. And so that is a nationwide organization. Um, we have, it has been um a little over th- four years that we've been in operation um uh, and we have given away over a million dollars in grants uh, and so that has been very healing that was where I put a lot of my energy um after losing clut into that um we still wanted a child we still had every intention of having a child at home and so um we waited um until Uh, Her due date had passed in September, and then we decided, so we went and met with a maternal fetal medicine doctor um, who spent a lot of time with us and really walked us through all of it. And um, really, at the end of the day, they don't know why I developed preeclampsia, and they really didn't have a great solution as to how I could avoid it happening again in a future pregnancy. And so that was really scary, Um, but we decided to try. So we tried naturally for a few months um, and then uh, decided to go back and try another round of IVF. Um, We had leftover embryos, which was great. Um, And so we went back and did another round of IVF um, that did not take. And that was March of 2019. And when... It didn't take, um, my husband was in tears and I felt relief. Um, and it was really, I, I felt guilty for feeling like that. And it really started me thinking on what I wanted to do and what this all meant. Um, and ultimately, uh, I had to admit that I was terrified of being pregnant again. And once I admitted that I had to figure out what that meant. Um, Ultimately, uh, I decided, and then my husband and I did some research and agreed, and we went with a gestational carrier and um, found a fabulous gestational carrier who um, got pregnant on her first round of IVF and um, with our embryo. And that, you know, was awesome and amazing and so wonderful. Um, but then I also had, you know, shortly after we found out, a couple of days after we found out, a real breakdown because her being pregnant really cemented for me that um I wasn't gonna get to carry our child and that um was painful. And as much as I didn't want to be pregnant, it was painful for somebody else to be pregnant. Um and so there's a lot of loss uh in that. And so um worked through that, things were progressing, we were doing well. We did a 20-week ultrasound. Um, Everything was great. Uh, And then um, about two weeks after the ultrasound um, is when COVID and the pandemic started and shutdown started. Uh, And so we had gone from being able to go to every doctor's appointment to not being able to go to any. Um, We would still go and we would stay outside and um, do phone or, or FaceTime, but that was really... Um, difficult, and we didn't know if both of us would be allowed in labor and delivery um, until we were probably um, about 32 weeks into the pregnancy. Ultimately, um, that pregnancy uh, went well, and um, we have our son, Elliot, um, who was born in July of 2020, and who's amazing, two-year-old now, and um, just keeps us busy and that we love hanging out with. Um, when Elliot was about a year old, we started talking about having another, um, we went through, um, deciding ultimately, and we decided to go through surrogacy again, our same surrogate was available. And so we thought that was great um, luck and everything on our part. And so we went through that and had a lot of um, issues that came up, um, canceled cycles, transfer that didn't work, um, all of it. And so ultimately, um, in June of 2022, um, we decided we were done, um, that this was going to be it for our family. Uh, and that's, there's a lot of loss in that, you know, I, I am not ever going to Parent a girl, a daughter, and and that was something that I had always seen doing. Um, Our son will not have a sibling in the normal way other people um, will have a sibling, and that's difficult for me to think about what that means. Um, But we also have an amazing kid who is happy and healthy and wonderful. And after everything we went through, um, that is always... Uh, what I come back to is the really great part is that he is here. He is amazing. He is a happy, happy child. Um, there's been connections. He You can see he has connections to his sister. Um, and every, we have a cocoa bear that we use to represent Cut in um, pictures and everything. And in every picture from the time he has his newborn photos and a week or two old. Um, till now uh, when that bear is in the picture, he grabs um, the bear's hand. And I think he knows that that's his sister um, or what we used to represent her. Uh, and that is you know, what we can do. So we are parenting um, a living child. We are also parenting um, a child that is, not, is an angel baby and um, navigating how that looks. So, so that's my mom's story in um you know a condensed version. Uh you can always find me um at our website and social media, what's the Colette Louise Tisdell Foundation, um, which is the website ColetteLouise.com. Um, and you can find us on all social media platforms. Um, and thank you very much for letting me share my story with you. Bye bye.
0: Your review helps other people find our show. And as a thank you, once a month, we choose the review that makes us all warm and tingly inside and award that lucky lady a free program of their choice. So do it now. It could be you. See you next time, you badass mom you.